Hi, welcome to On The Daily Season 2, a podcast focusing on authentic and acoustic entrepreneurship. My name is Danielle McCleary. I am your host. Y'all, I just left a nine-year fitness career to pursue full-time entrepreneurship, so I am in the trenches with you, but I got big dreams of being a millionaire and helping other people to become millionaires as well. So together, we're going from stuck to unstoppable, and I'm so excited that you're here for this ride. Let's freaking go. Hello on The Daily Family. Welcome back to the show. This is Danielle McCleary, your host. I'm really excited about this episode. I feel like I do so many episodes with friends and then every once in a while I get to interview somebody that I'm just like a huge fan of. And this brand is one of those that I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Today, we are listening to an episode that I recorded with Morgan Zanotti, who is the president and co-founder of Primal Kitchen, which if you don't know Primal Kitchen, yes, you do. They are one of the fastest growing brands in the natural product industry. They were the ones who are responsible for creating the mayonnaise made with avocado oil. And you'll see them in Whole Foods. You see them in Sprouts. You see them all over the place. But today, we're not really talking about the brand itself or the products from the brand. We're more talking about just Morgan's energetic leadership and her innovative mindset. This is a person who believes culture should be at the forefront of so many things. And it's just a real testament to the brand that she's helped create and develop and grow. And I mean, Primal Kitchen is a brand that this year is expected to hit 200 million in retail sales, which is crazy. And then obviously their Primal Kitchen mayonnaise is the number one condiment sold in natural grocery channel. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I just really love talking to just badass women who are willing to do things differently and are willing to kind of step out of the box and, and, you know, bend the rules a little bit. And that's what she does. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. If you are brand new to the show, welcome to On The Daily. Welcome to the family. Uh, I hope that you head over to Apple Podcasts, which is where I get my metrics from. If you love what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show. We have so many episodes, so many interviews with so many incredible entrepreneurs and humans and people just trying to really change the game. And I hope that you leave us a five-star rating, write us a review, tell us what you love. And then of course, you can always come find me on Instagram. My name is at Danielle underscore on the daily. The podcast can be found at on the daily pod. Share this episode with somebody who needs it, somebody that that you think it would resonate with. And without further ado, let's get into this episode with Morgan. On the Daily Family, we have such a treat for you today. This is Morgan. She is the co-founder of a brand that I'm obsessed with called Primal Kitchen. And um, she is just such a badass. And I'm just so excited that you're here. Welcome to On the Daily. Thank you so much, Danielle. Excited to be here. You have, I was telling, it's so funny for those of you listening, I was like, just so you know, I am not one of those people that's like a fake fan. Like I, I talk, I'm sure I've talked about your brand. I'm sure I've talked about the vegan ranch dressing on this podcast multiple times because we, we drink it like it's water and it's so good. You, how long has Primal Kitchen been a brand? How long have you been doing this? So we launched February I always confuse this with my anniversary. It's so embarrassing. February 2nd of 2000, um, of 2015. So we're only, God, we're seven years old, I guess now. It feels like it's so much older than that. I know, but yeah. And there was not a single condiment on the marketplace made with avocado oil at the point in which we launched. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it was amazing. a fast and furious. We actually, um, in 2018, we sold the business for $200 million to Kraft Heinz. So um, I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, it was a really fast growth trajectory for us. Um, and we have partnered with Kraft Heinz and that's actually been wonderful. So almost my entire senior leadership team and really even below that, our whole company is still working for Primal Kitchen under the Kraft Heinz umbrella. Here we are now, like three years later. It's crazy. You know um, what? I think I remember that. Cause I remember like when you guys first came out, I'm pretty sure it was like with your mayonnaise, like the Primal Kitchen mayonnaise that like yeah. had, yeah. With like the avocado that like we first tried. And I remember like, then all of a sudden we saw like Kraft Heinz on the back of the- No, the no, there's and... no Kraft Heinz on any of the packages. Oh, there isn't? Okay, so no. maybe I just, maybe I just no. read, then maybe it you was- You probably read about it. You probably read about okay, it. Okay, that's yeah. what it was. We read that it, like we had read that you guys partnered. And like, I remember that, like you guys took off so fast and so many products in such a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. And for those listening who are worried, like we're still full, we still manufacture in all the same facilities. We still have all the same ingredient suppliers. We still have all the same brand standards in place. So it was really just like a- super hard to make money in food. Margins are really low. Um, it's gotten even more challenging in today's like inflationary environment. Uh, so for us, it was really like a way to bring foods that are free of sugar and canola and soybean oil to more people. And Kraft has yeah. really been like, super supportive of letting us run independently. We still own the mission, vision, and day-to-day operations of the business. We just don't have to deal with a bank line of credit that my our founder and my business partner Mark Sisson had a personal guarantee on our line of credit that we grow grew the business with. So a lot of just the stresses that come with being an entrepreneur, like we say, we kind of got rid of the worst parts of running your own business, and we get to do the part that you know we're really good at, and that was fun, which is coming up yeah. with new products and you know living the mission. So that's an awesome way to put it. Like you kind of got to stay in your zone of genius without like the stress, like. It's kind of more like a strategic partnership more than anything else. For sure. It really feels that way. And, you know, people were, there were always some like haters at the time of the acquisition. I'm sure this isn't where you wanted to totally take this so we can move past this. I I love this conversation. It's it's so interesting. Um, But yeah, there were a lot of haters like, oh, they're going to like ruin their brand. And we're like, no, you don't understand. Like we're, we're tiny. Craft is like a, you know, we're talking, I don't know, 15, $20 million company, right? And Primal Kitchen you know, we'll do, you know, under $200 million this year in sales. So for them, we're really small. They love us for what we provide to the Mm -hmm. business and have let us run autonomously. They talk a lot about what they can learn from us. So it's been a really nice partnership. And I went in thinking, oh, they'll fire me like for sure, right when they acquire us. And I'm like, well, maybe they'll keep me around for a few years. Now I'm like, well, this is actually working out pretty nice. So yeah. You know what? It reminds me. So I was a soul cycle instructor for a really long time. And I like, I don't know if you know much about that brand, but soul cycle was kind of the same thing with Equinox. And there was like a merge there. And like, we became under like yeah. the Equinox umbrella and we received the same kind of hate, like, oh, this is just going to change you all these things. But, and like, it did a little bit. And at the same time, we experienced the same thing with, with that company was like, we got to stay who we were. We were still soul cycle, the in, yeah. this independent company, but like, didn't have to deal with the line of credit. And like, I love the way that you put that. I think, I think that opens up, I mean, that could be like a whole other podcast episode about how people will like mm-hmm. hear of partnerships or acquisitions or, you know, like strategic partnerships where then their cancel culture just comes in and they're like, nope, can't do it. And it's like, well, yeah. really yeah. know what you're like, know the facts before you make those calls. Cause sometimes it's sure. actually like, well, we wouldn't be the brand we are without that partnership. So yeah. um, I love that you brought that up. How did you get into this? Tell us a little bit about you. 
Um, yeah, so I grew up in Chicago. I went to school at the University of Colorado in Boulder. I was an accounting major. Math was always like pretty easy mm-hmm. for me. So I got into business and then I became an accountant after college and I was like super bored six months in, booked a trip to Argentina, convinced my best friend from childhood, Anna, who's actually still to this day, Primal Kitchen's uh, VP of marketing. She was our first hire. Uh, there's oh, like, that's a awesome. There's a lot of that woven in through the story. Like my best friend in Los Angeles manages our target account. One of my best friends from high school manages West Coast sales for us. Um, um, Two mentors of mine I hired. It's kind of like a whole family affair and they're still all with the business. But um, so yeah, I went to school in Colorado, got an accounting degree, bored out of my mind, moved to South America. I say moved to South America to learn how to surf and swear fluently in Spanish, which is like pretty much sums up the whole trip, but I spent two and a half years. I was doing um, research for a political author actually. And so I made like 12 grand a year, but I spent 10 grand a year. I lived off of like a thousand dollars a month or less living in like hostels and traveling around. I was Anna and I um, met the, these three girls from Ireland and they were traveling. Like they were doing the whole gap year thing, like going mm. On the Gringo Trail, they call it. There's kind of like a, you know, if you're in our, if you're in Buenos Aires, it's like, where are you going next? Are you going down to Ushuaia, Patagonia? Are you going into Guadalajara ah. Falls in Uruguay? Whatever. So um, Anna flew home. We we kept traveling. Made it to Ecuador. They forced me into my first surf lesson. That actually was kind of like a pivotal moment for me. Then all I wanted to do was like surf. So then I had this new, um, really fun thing to like kind of keep me occupied as it became like a huge passion of mine but I ended up living in Mexico living in all through Central America spent a lot of time in Ecuador and then came home had like a reverse culture shock kind of like quarter life crisis like what I don't belong anywhere I don't know what I want to do with my life and when you're living off like 10 grand a year then to come back downtown Chicago my friends are going out and it's like hundred dollar you know, bar tabs. And like, I couldn't believe how much they were painted like taxi all around downtown Chicago. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, you know, take me back. But yeah. um, I ended up going to work at this advertising agency and I managed the growth ventures portfolio within for Frito-Lay. So all of the brands Frito-Lay acquires that they don't put on the back of the packaging before backing up a little bit, before I got home from South America, I met this girl from California who told me about this company standard process and they make all, they grow all their own herbs and make their own supplements from all like herbs they've grown themselves in Wisconsin actually. And she was like, oh, wow. yeah, I do this cleanse every year. And so my mom and I did it and I had kind of my own health revelation. I read food Inc got really into Michael Pollan, mm-hmm. you know, skinny bitch, mm-hmm. like the whole thing mm-hmm. and, you know, and went down that rabbit hole. So I had become really passionate about health. I kind of solved some of my own health issues. Um, and then, but then I was working at this agency I love, but managing like the Frito-Lay account. Right. And they were great people, but I just wasn't super passionate about the work. So it wasn't like a full body. Yes. No, it was like more, no yeah. but, but the people were great. I was learning a ton. I was 20, I don't know, six, 27, 28 at the time. So I moved to California. Um, I decided okay. I wanted to quit that job. I was, I surfed on Lake Michigan in the winter. You can only surf like when there's wind swell. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't have to be here. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I had never been to California. Um, I, I flew out 
I like actually lied to, there was this agency we were working with 72 and sunny. We like shared an account. I know 70. I have friends. I have a lot of friends who work at 72. Okay. And sunny, yeah. Actually. So and then, there was this really cool girl at 72 and sunny. So we both like worked on the Frito-Lay account and I was like, Hey, I'm moving to LA, but I had no plans to move there yet. I'm like, you know, would you be interested in having coffee? Cause I was thinking maybe 72 and sunny would hire me and I could have a job out in LA. And right. I went out, I fell in love with Manhattan beach. I surfed. I just had a great time. And then I I moved, but I didn't end up doing anything with 72 and Sunny. My boss at the time was like, hey, just keep your gig. Like you can work remote. So that kept me pretty engaged for about a year. And then I applied to be the director of marketing for a brand called Kavita. Do you know Kavita? Mm -hmm. The like sparkling yeah. probiotic drink. So yeah. I ran marketing um, with Kavita and I met our VP of our EVP of growth, Amanda O'Keefe, who was, became a mentor there. She's now with Primal. Um, and then Kavita, I, I knew of Mark Sisson, who's considered kind of one of the founders of the paleo movement. I had yeah. met him through like mutual friends briefly. And then he had was leading these events at the time called Primal Con, where people would all come into this hotel in Oxnard, California, like play ultimate Frisbee. Oh, yes. I've heard of Primal Con. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So it was like a, you know, a tons of like hundreds of people came. It was this big thing. Mm -hmm. And Kavita sponsored the event. I didn't need to go, but I wanted to meet Mark. So I went, we hit it off. Mark and his wife, Carrie, I like spent the night chatting with them. And then I quit my job at Kavita because I was, it was pretty miserable. It was kind of a cutthroat startup environment. It was, it wasn't mm. great. Um, but I yeah. quit my job at Kavita. I stayed on as a consultant for them for a little bit while they found my replacement and I had nothing lined up. My now husband and I rented a juicy van. We did like a surf trip from San Francisco down to San Diego. And on that trip, I didn't know where I hadn't seen Mark in like three months. He called and said, Hey, you know, wondering if you can get together soon. I want to launch this food company. And I'm thinking maybe you could help. So Mark had a line of supplements and he was selling direct to consumer out of this small office in the Malibu Chamber of Commerce. He had this vision for a paleo sauces, dressings and condiments brand. Um, you know, we were both pretty like you go to the, you go to the grocery store and at the time there was not a single salad dressing that didn't have soybean, canola, <laughs> safflower, or yeah. in it, right. So, um, yeah. so he wanted to launch this, this brand. So we met, um, he was going to call the brand Primal Blueprint. And I was like, that's bad. That was the name of his book. I'm like, you should call it Primal Kitchen. I'll never forget. He was like, well, this meeting was worthwhile. And I was like, yes, you asshole. This meeting was worthwhile before I suggested that. No, M Mark is like one of my best friends. So we formed that's this just like amazing business partnership, if you will. He was, he took a big chance on me. I mean, a lot of people did, as you can see throughout the career. Like I had no business being a director of marketing. I had no business running this food company, but it all just kind of unfolded that way. And yeah, so that was probably the end of like 2013. Then I worked with him as just a marketing consultant. And then I ended up, you know, growing into the position I have today, co-founder and president of the company. We grew it. We launched with one mayonnaise, did a million and a half in sales our first year with one $10 jar of mayonnaise. We were like... <laughs> If we're like, if someone, if we can just sell through these 20,000 jars of mayonnaise in the next 12 months before they expire, like we'll be happy. And we sold out our first week, we put them online and it's kind of just been a rocket ship ever since. So it's so crazy. Cause it's like, when you put some, like when you have a product that is so high in demand that people don't even know is in demand, like it really, like you guys are the perfect testament to like how quickly 
things can take off if you're in the right time at the right place and you're really listening to like what the consumer needs. Yeah, it's so true. I think like we felt like someone, there's this brand called Jackson's Honest. They make the great uh-huh. brand, they make chips with, they fry, they use, they don't use, they use coconut oil. And uh-huh. their founder said to me like high fructose or canola oil is the high fructose corn syrup of fat. And I was like, that is a perfect way of putting it. Like all these big companies have been removing high fructose corn syrup for 20 years now, but like they haven't caught on to the fact that nobody wants soybean or canola oil either. Um, so right. we were kind of like ahead on that insight. And then also I would say sugar, that was like a big thing for us. We have an unsweetened ketchup, um, unsweetened mm-hmm. barbecue sauce, just removing like mayonnaise has sugar in it. Like, like yeah. who needs yeah. the sugar in the mayonnaise? So yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and even like uh, we, our family loves your brand because of all those reasons. And like, it's, I kind of mentioned this, like with vegan brands, it's so hard. I mean, you guys aren't a vegan brand, of course, but you have a lot of vegan products and you're for vegans. A lot of times there's a lot of companies that will take on like, oh, we can do vegan, but then they just like stuff it full of all of that crap that we were just talking about. And, you know, those of us who have been plant-based for a really long time, we're paying attention to what's in our ingredients. And so to have a brand like Primal Kitchen, where like, I know that I can get ketchup for my son and like, it's not going to be full of sugar. And I know that like, we can buy vegan ranch. That's not going to be full of a bunch of crap. And it's, it's been, it's been really awesome. And even when like, I help, I like, you know, I coach like a, a nutrition like a 30 day nutrition program. And that's the first thing I recommend is like helping people swap out, swap out their condiments. And your guys's brand is the one that I always recommend people buy. So right. You guys, Thank yeah, you. you guys definitely, um, you definitely were in the right place at the right time. And I'm, I, I love this story and I took like two big things from it. So I want to like, take, I want to ask a couple questions. Yeah. You said I had no business being in these jobs that I had. Um, and somehow I had them. What do you think it was? Like, what do you think it is about you that like gave you this? Cause like, I feel like there's a lesson in here for the budding entrepreneur. Well, I think putting yourself out there and being like, I always say curiosity is like my favorite personality mm. trait. I think I put my, like the Kavita job. I was like, I love this brand. Every time I go to the grocery store, I buy one, I walk around and I drink it as like a treat to myself while I'm walking through the grocery store. So I just reached out to their VP of sales. I'm like, I'm going to find someone like on LinkedIn who works for them, who's high up, who can like see if any introductions can be made. And they just happen to be hiring a VP of marketing. Mm. And I got in and then, you know, kind of weaseled my way in from there. And I think So I think putting yourself out there, like not maybe just waiting for life to happen to you is like, you know, getting in the game, I guess, is kind of how it works. And again, like I didn't need to go to this event we sponsored, but I wanted to meet Mark. So, but I think you can only put yourself out there to the extent that you know you're interested in a field, right? But I didn't know I wanted to be like a food entrepreneur. I actually had applied to go to back to school to be a naturopathic doctor for a while. I was like, maybe I want to be a sex therapist. Maybe I want, I mean, in my Mm. 20s, I had no clue what I wanted to do, but I think there was always something very entrepreneurial there. Um, I think I was grasping for authority. Like if I'm a naturopathic doctor, then I can launch a food company and people will take me serious. I'm five feet tall. You know, I'm a woman running a business. Like none of these things, you're always kind of the underdog, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think being scrappy and putting yourself in the game and having something to prove and maybe a little chip on my shoulder, give me like a little edge to, I don't know, get in there. But it's so interesting that you say that because I, I hear this a lot and I've had this conversation a lot on this show too, is, you know, there's a, 
there's like a finesse, I think, to the entrepreneur. And there's a societal pressure, I think, for especially female entrepreneurs. And I love that we're talking about this in International Women's Month because it's it's so true. There's this pressure to say, here's why I'm qualified to do all these things that I'm doing. And that's like a societal pressure that we've been given. And it's like, if you're going to start a business, you have to show me why you're qualified to start this business. When really, like, does that happen as equally for our male counterparts? I don't think so. I, I think like this, this personality trait that you're talking about, this curiosity, this, this willing to, this like willingness to network, this, um, this scrappiness that works in male dominated professions all the time. I love that that's like your biggest tip for that, because I think it's so true. I think the more that you're just really passionate about what you're doing, or just you have curiosity about what you're doing. I really do think that 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 sells sometimes more than the authority or the education or the you know the certification or the degree. Like it all comes down to people are going to buy you before they're ever going to buy what you're selling. Yeah, relationships matter. I think though also like something. I think sometimes being underestimated like works to your advantage. Um, Ooh, tell me more about that. I love that. I had mentors in the field that I just like reached out to and they were willing to like have coffee with me and mentor me. And I don't know if I were a 35 year old male, if they would have been as open to like mentoring Mm. for what it's worth. I mean, it might sound terrible, but I really don't know. Like there might be, you know, tons of men reaching out, like but there's not that many women who are like, I'm running this food company. Damn it. Like someone give me, someone give me some good advice. And I think I was able to like being different, able to like capture some attention in food. There's a lot of women leaders though, too. We don't suffer yeah. from the same um, issues that other industries have. I, I truly don't think we do. What was interesting though, is when we went to sell the company, we had to hire an investment We chose to hire an investment banker to help lead us through like an official process to sell the company. And so, you know, it was me, Mark and Rick and Rick was like the third partner, if you will, who were running the company. And Rick and Mark are like the most supportive, amazing, like male business partners I could ever ask for. So I really have been just like super blessed in that. I don't feel like being a woman has ever really been an issue for me in the workplace. I've been able to find like super supportive, super trusting, amazing men to work for Mark and Rick being two of them. But we interviewed, you know, to interview these investment bankers, they would bring like, we'd beat at the Soho house in Malibu on the water and they'd bring like 10 people tell us how much they thought they could sell our business for and pitch for, for our business for us to choose them. And they make a commission when they sell the business for you. They kind of like put your business on the market, if you will. And every meeting we interviewed, like six of these meetings, everyone was like 10 guys. I was the only woman in the room. I was probably the youngest besides the analysts that they brought on who did all the work. You know, Mm -hmm. I was the youngest and the only, literally the only female in the room. And I'm talking, we, we met with 60 people, say six groups and each of them brought 10 people. And it, that was illuminating just like how they didn't realize, like, if you ask Mark, like when we launched people be like, Oh, are you Mark's personal assistant? Can I get like a me? And Mark was like, she's not my personal assistant. She's running the company for Christ's sake. You know, like, geez. Yeah. But, um, And I was like, whatever. I mean, I guess I'll just take it as a compliment and move on. And this isn't going to be like the defining thing for me in my career. But, um, Mm -hmm. but that was interesting that that whole process, like they would talk to Mark, they wouldn't even acknowledge me. They had no clue that like, they weren't 
it was almost like ego led the conversation versus like intuition. I think that's like a very big benefit of being a woman in the workplace. Like I've always told Mark, like men have been bullshitting me for my entire life. So like, trust me when I can pick this broker better than you can, because they get into like, you know, these ego clashes and it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. Like who's, so swinging, who's swinging bigger? Yeah. Totally. I was going to say big swinging dicks, but I, you, yeah. I hope you can edit me out because I'm like, I'm terrible. Oh. I'm from Chicago. Yeah. There's a lot of big swinging dicks. Yeah. We love, we love a dirty, we we love dirty words on this podcast. So we didn't end up hiring any of them. I remember one meeting, one of the guys was like, okay, so the process, and then Mark will fly you out and you'll meet with these companies. And Rick like piped up and he was like, no, you'll fly Mark and Morgan out. Like, are you guys even coherent on what's happening in the business? You know, like this, it was very Mm -hmm. much like an equal partnership between us three. And if Mark would admit this, if he were here, like, I was calling the shots, 80%, yeah, right? I'm so sure. yeah. it was just comical how they couldn't yeah. read the room. Like they thought they were just selling Mark and my opinion didn't matter. And we didn't hire any of them. And then we ended up getting introduced. We just put the process on hold. We waited six months. We ended up getting introduced to this amazing woman, Romitha, and we hired her to sell the business. And mm-hmm. it was awesome to hire a woman investment banker. There aren't that many of them. There are like two really well-known women in food and investment banking. Romitha is one of them. And it was felt awesome to hire her, but not because she was a woman, because she was the best. And I think she was the best. Important. Yeah, she was the best. She was yeah. by far the best. These other guys were blowing smoke. They had no idea what they were talking about. We met with her and she's like, listen, I used to be an analyst. I know exactly how to position this. Like, here we go. And six months later, we sold the company. So, you know, I it was, that. it was cool. Yeah. I just think that's so cool. And it, it's true. I think, I think you're right. I think there's different industries where that matter, like where that like really that dichotomy between the female and the male power struggle is like even more real. Um, it reminds me, I, this is like so off topic, but it reminds me of I'm currently, we're building this house in Austin and you know, you're building a house. So like they want you to work with their lender. And like, I have a lender in California that I could work with really easily, but like, I was like, sure, I'll work with your lender. Like if he's going to give me, you know, however much off of my closing costs, like, why not? Sure. Okay. And of course, like this lender is like Southern, like (laughs) old man's club, right? Like the first thing he asks me is like, well, do you have like W2s? And I'm like, no, no, no. I run my own businesses. Like I have my own businesses. And he's like, oh, well, you know, that's going to be really tough to like get a loan. And I said, well, if it is for you, that's fine. You just let me know. Cause like, I got somebody that will do it. No problem. Like you just tell me, it's like, oh, well, no, like we'll figure it out. But it's true. It's like, there's this automatic, like, I think at one point he asked if I had like, a, if like my dad could co-sign and I was like, are you, pardon my French, sir. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It just makes me think of that where it's like that. It's like you just did not read the room at all. Like you had no. no idea. I love how you said that. Like these these guys were thinking they were like selling, and you're like, you little do you know, like I will be making this decision. Yeah, I'm good. So. Thanks, buddy. I had a similar <laughs> thing. We moved to Florida a year ago. We have a pool, and I wanted to put a little like you can put a pump in so it becomes a saltwater pool, right? And yeah. it's not that big of a deal. But I called and got the info, and she said, Oh, you know, that'll be like four hundred dollars. I was like, Okay, great. She's like, Do you want to just you know, ask your husband and then you can call me back and we can schedule it. And I was like, oh, excuse no, me. No. Like, <laughs> okay, we're I'm not in California, I'm not in Southern California anymore. I mean, like, yeah, it is interesting. It's, um it is interesting. I think when you're in geography where 
it's more affordable to live quite honestly. Like you, they haven't had, there's not a lot of dual income households. Like if you're living in Southern California, there's a lot of dual income households. Everyone's used to like women working, men working, no one knows or cares who's working more, making more, right. whatever. It's very right. normal for both people to be working. But when you're, it's much more affordable to live in Texas. It's much more, maybe not Austin anymore. <laughs> it's much more well, affordable. We're, out, we're outside of Austin. Thank goodness. It was, yeah. It was yeah. Great. <laughs> and same with Florida. And so I think there's a lot of like, you know, they just haven't had the same wake up call that you know, the bigger cities. Yeah. Have, but that's a good, that's a really good point. I want to talk because you have kids, right? How many kids do you have? Yeah. I have two and then I'm actually 22 weeks pregnant with the third. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of moms that listen to my show and I know like every mom listening to this right now, is like, yes, ask the question. So there's this, I think there's this mentality that comes in when like in female entrepreneurship where and especially right now, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, but I just think like right now, there are so many more people that are not wanting to work for someone. They want to create something on their own. And like, that's kind of like that great resignation that happened over the last couple of years in our country, in the world, wherever. And so there's all these women wanting to like start businesses or create something or step into this entrepreneurship role and they have children. And so there's this guilt that comes right with like being a mom, running a business. How do you do both? Can you do both? Does it mean I'm a shitty mom? Does it mean I'm not going to be able to run a successful business? And I would just love for you to speak on this and any insight you have, any tips you have just for the women, the woman who's listening right now being like, I don't know how I can do it all. Yeah. I mean, I, it's really tough, right? I like my dad always said, like, you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything. And I think that there is like some truth to that. that for me, my journey with like motherhood and owning, running a business, I was, I feel fortunate actually. Like I, we, so I was 32 weeks pregnant when we started the, we did this process called management presentation. So you'd have to like present to people who are going to buy your business for like eight hour meetings. It's really intense. I was super pregnant. So I had my first November 6th and we signed the deal with Kraft Heinz November 28th. So I was like topless on the phone with lawyers, nursing for the first three weeks. I had no maternity leave. I got home. Thank God I had a C-section. I got home on Friday. It gave me an extra few days in the hospital. Saturday, Mark and I had a meeting to talk about like the bonuses we were giving every single employee who worked for us as part of the sale. I mean, I really, but I, then I totally burnt out by like January. Mm. I was like, so disengaged and it took like a few months. I would say then April, I kind of like resurfaced, but I, I was mm -hmm. really burnt out, not taking that time for myself. And with my second, then, you know, I took a more normal maternity leave with Kraft Heinz. And with this one, I plan to do the same. Um, but yeah. I feel lucky in the sense that we sold Primal Kitchen kind of right as my first was entering the world, because though that first year was full on, like, I feel lucky, but at the same time, I think it would have been a blessing to have had the perspective of being a mom and having your priorities more sorted the first year. I did dumb stuff. Like I was up all night doing paperwork that we paid a broker to do that I didn't know I could just ask them to do for me to get, like, get into Whole Foods. Like we had no employees, you know what I mean? I was like literally a one woman show. So I remember my husband would, like leave for work and I would be in my pajamas and I would still be in my pajamas when he got home. And I would wake up at three in the morning and be like, this needs to get done and this needs to get done. And, you know, it was just all of that. So I think, yeah, yeah I think, I think there's pros and cons, right? And I think sometimes it's cool to have something of your own when you're a mom, because you just 
can really lose yourself into motherhood in like the best way possible. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women are craving just like something that is more of a connection to like, you know, non, not toddlers. I have a three-year-old and a one and a half-year-old. We're about to have three boys under four. So I mean, yeah, it's crazy, but I don't think I'm really answering your question, but it's definitely like a struggle, but I think it can be a blessing in that if you are going to take you have to really be motivated to do something if you are going to take time away from like your family and your kids. So I think it helps you like weed out what you do and don't want to do before, before both my first two, I wanted to launch another business. I was like, I got to get this off the ground before the baby comes. And I was so motivated. And this time I'm like, no, I'm not doing anything except focusing on like having a baby, you know, I'm happy where I'm at. It's a journey. It really is. I agree with you though, because my son is six. And I remember when I, I hadn't stepped into entrepreneurship when he was born, but I did go like right back to teaching. Like as I had a C-section as well. And as soon as I was cleared to return to work, I did, even though like in California, I could have taken forever off if I wanted to. I also suffered really horrible postpartum depression. And so getting back to work was actually what like healed me. And I look back at that in the same way and I go, wow, I really like, I really didn't take any time. I really just like jumped back in and that was my journey. But what I heard and what I took from what you said, and I, I agree with this is it's all about like the boundaries we set with our time, right? Like you really do. I think if you're going to start a business, if you're going to jump into entrepreneurship in any way, you really do have to like really want that because it's not, it's not like it's a job that you go to, you clock in, you clock out, you teach a class, you leave, like whatever your J-O-B is. Like, it's not like that where you don't necessarily have to bring your work home. Like, I feel like with, with the choice to start a business, your work isn't going to just end. Like it'll go all night or wake up at 3 a.m. with you or be like, it, it's, it's really, for me, it's been about like setting boundaries. It's been about like, what is the most important thing in this moment for me, for my business, for my family? And like, how can I, you know, set that and stick to it? And like sticking to it was one of my biggest things. Cause I'd be like, oh yes, this is my boundary. And then the next week I'd be like, my boundary was to not work after 6 PM. And here I am still on a call. So yeah, good job, Danielle. <laughs> I, aside from the first year I worked for Mark, I, with Primal Kitchen, like the first year we launched, I was working for him before, but aside from that first year we launched the product before we had really hired anyone and proven we had a business that could even warrant hiring employees. I have always been really good at work hard, play hard. Like I, you know, I hope my boss at Kraft isn't listening, but like I play tennis three times a week. I have always, always snuck away to surf. If there's waves, like I took calls from the parking lot at El Porto in Los Angeles, paddled out for an hour in between my calls and pretended I was at my desk. So I think I'm also like a big believer in like 80% and done today is better than 100% right and done tomorrow. I'm, yes, a, big, like, same. I'm a big checklist crosser offer. I like to just get shit done. Um, yeah. And sometimes at the expense of perfection, I'm not a perfectionist. I am not like, I'm not in the weeds. I'm like, you know, let's keep it moving, like high level, let's make a decision, let's make a decision quickly and let's move. Um, And I think that served me well for my own burnout. Like, I think I've only really been burnt out, like after I had Riker and didn't take a break, but it was also just the sale of the company. Like I didn't, you know, selling- You were in a grind season. On top of running it, it's an added job. But that time and then the, the first one I was working with Mark. So I think that's just like really important. Like 
playing hooky is really important. Like people who we've always been a remote company and people will be like, I'm going to yoga. I'm like, great. You should go to yoga. Like as long as you're getting your work done, I I don't care. And actually I'm probably not going to notice if you're getting your work done or not, because I'm not tracking it, but I believe in karma. It will all come out. So like I hire smart, motivated people. And I, I don't think this like nine to five treating people like they can't manage their, like, if I need to be worried about whether or not you're getting your work done, you're probably not the right employee for me. And so everyone right. for Prime was like really self-sufficient and independent. And as a result, like, I hope they're at their kid's school when they want to be and doing other things when they want to do. And they have a life outside of work. Yeah. I love that. I think it's like, I, I think too, entrepreneurship kind of runs in like seasons. Like you have to just understand that like, sometimes like if you're trying to sell your company, it's going to look a lot different than a year from now when it's sold totally. and you can reestablish that like harmony. And I, I heard it once. I don't even remember. I think it was like Rachel Hollis or something that said it where it's like, it's not life work balance. It's life work harmony because like some, it's never going to be in balance. Like something's always going to require yeah. more time than something else. It's more like, does it have harmony? Like, do you find joy in your life? And, you know, it's, it's, I think what you said, like you have employees that like, you know, you do play tennis, like, and you, you play tennis and like you do things, you play hooky. And I think that's like one of the the plus sides of entrepreneurship is that you can kind of decide that for yourself, where when you are working for somebody and like, obviously you are an incredible company to work for, where you're like encouraging your employees to go to yoga. Obviously not every company is like that. So I actually think that could be like one of the most one of the, the I've found since diving into full-time entrepreneurship, that is something that is a really big deal to me is the fact that like, if I feel like I can't go work out, I'm like, well, that's on me because I set my own schedule. So if I'm feeling like I can't go work out or go to yoga or go surf or like whatever yeah. it is that I also enjoy doing, like then, then that's on me and I need yeah. to reevaluate my schedule. And I think for moms, we get so in... I, I, and I've been there and I'm sure you have as well. Like we, we get into this, this mindset of like, if I'm not with my child 24 seven, then I am a bad mom. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I think the advice is like, stop and realize like what you're saying, your kids have to learn how to be self-sufficient. And like my goal as a mom, when Owen turns 18, I want him to not need me anymore. And yeah. as sad as that is for me personally, cause I love my kid. I also want him to be a fully functioning human in this world. And the way that he's going to do that is to see that mom is also taking care of what she needs to take care of. Yeah. The mom guilt is like so real. I mean, I struggle with that tremendously. Do you? Yeah, I really like, do. When do you, when do you I, mostly struggle with that? Well, I think I have this, like, I'm an obsessive like researcher. So while I'm not a perfectionist, I want to know like about development and education and the sleep training mm. and breastfeeding in the right, blah, blah, blah. I'm, oh, I've realized I've become like quite obsessed in parenting. This like something I'm working on with like doing it the right way. Like, well, what's the right thing to do? And I oh, yeah. recently like stopped reading. This is hilarious. Deleted all social media. I stopped reading. I used to only read like, you know, nonfiction, like how to be better at this and how to be better at that. I like stopped all of it. And I just read now. I started with Bridgerton. I have read like 20 period piece trashy romance novels in the last three months and this is now like my new thing this is like a woman who literally only read self-help books for the last like 10 years of her life I'm like what have I been doing like this is so much more fun I can settle into just being me like it's actually my husband's probably loving this phase of my life and like like 
stop trying to do everything right and just mm. like settle into doing it the way you're going to do it. But I think with the mom guilt, I've noticed, I don't know, like we were like, we've, we actually, I mentioned sleep training, but we've never like sleep trained our kids. This is like a thing I've noticed with my friends who work and with my friends who don't, I just, we just pretty much like co-sleep because if they need me in the night, I'm like, I didn't see you for eight hours today. So like, I'll go sleep in your bed from like 12 to 6am. So I think you give a little bit more on different areas when you're working all day. And I, my mom friends who don't work are like, no kids will ever be in my bed. I have them all day. Like, this is my boundary. They go to bed at seven o'clock. They wake up at seven o'clock. And if they get up in the middle of the night, that's their problem. Right. And so you can Mm. see it. And I've talked to some of my other friends who work about it and they're like, yeah, I know. I just feel bad. Like I only saw him for two hours before bed and we were only together for an hour in the morning. So like you give on different areas, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Someone also told me once about motherhood, like I, you know, you can get so swept up in like, like doing the right thing, right? Like you got to read to your kid every night and they can't have any screen time and heaven forbid they have any sugar and they need to get a thousand hours outside during the year. And it's just like the list goes on and on and on. And social media perpetuates a lot of it because you follow these well-intentioned accounts and then you're just lambasting the parenting advice every day every day you're like oh I didn't do that I can't do it (laughs) um but one thing I've tried to remember and I read this summer and it was like you don't need to be all those things for your kids so like our nanny like is really great at like a hands-on-the-floor play I don't like love playing with toddlers so my husband's great at it too but so I just am like oh that just won't be this, that won't be me for this phase of life. Like, and and I'm fine with it. So I've let go of things that like, you know, if I'm reading to them before bedtime, I don't care if they don't read when they're with the nanny. And also like, we now do screen time when our youngest naps and our oldest, when our youngest is napping, we give our oldest, like give a mouse a cookie or tumble leaf. And Adam and I will like sit down and talk about things that need to get done for the weekend. Just like letting go of the right way to do things in the perfection and being just fine with it, I think has been really yeah. helpful. Trashy romance novels too. Like that's been helpful. Trashy romance novels and letting go of control. That is, <laughs> that's how you do it, everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but you know what? I totally agree with you. Cause I, before my son was born, I was like, he is not going to have sugar before this age and he's oh, never yeah. going to have screens. Yeah. And I am going to be the perfect parent. And like we did, we did actually like, do a version of sleep training, but not because I wanted to, it was because I realized very quickly that that's what my kid needed. And so I was like, very good at like, my son and I are like, very weirdly, like soul connected. Like I just, I've always been able to like, read his mind. And I knew from like day one, I was like, this kid is not going to do well if he sleeps in our bed, because we have dogs in here. Like, at the time, like, I'm my wife in is not his mom, his other mom. I was with his dad when he was born. And like, he would, he and I would like have different schedules. I'm like, this kid is not going to sleep if he's not in his own bed. I can feel it. And like we moved Owen to his own bed when he was, I think eight weeks. And from then on, he slept through the night, like perfect. No problem. It was amazing. And like, he's still like, even to this day, if I go, it is rare. If I'm like, Hey, do you want to like sleep with us tonight? Like, do you want to sleep with me and breeze tonight? He'll be like, no, I want to go to my own bed. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <Yeah. laughs> but like, it's but it's just like what he needed. However, I mean, this kid, he also loves his freaking Nintendo switch. He like, he could, he's seen every Paw Patrol probably nine times. And 
it's like, you do have to let go of some of the things if just like, I mean, but it's the same thing with business. Like we think we're going to be like the, this type of leader, I'm going to run this type of business. And like, at the end of the day, you can plan all you want, but you won't, it's, you're not going to know unless you go through it. And I think so many moms get so worked up about like, what if, what if, what if they hate me? What if I'm never around? What if this, what if that, what if this? And it's like at a certain point, you kind of have to just stop reading the self-help books and actually just do and find out for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to mess them up. I mean, I remember one of my mom's friends saying, you know, you've made it in life when your kids grow up and they can pay for their own therapy. (laughs) It's just like for all the, like we're human. It's like part of being, it's part of the human experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and letting go of like, just like letting go of that and needing it to be perfect, needing it to look a certain way. Yeah. But I love what you said about like, I think, I think so many people, especially in entrepreneurship and tell me like your thoughts on this, they will like, I've, I've seen it so much They'll every self-help book, every, every Tony Robbins training, every yeah. single, like, you know, personal development, leadership, yeah, course, book, course everything. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and I'm all about that. Trust me. Like I love it. I love a good John C. Maxwell moment. Like I love it. However, at a certain point, if all you're doing is the development, but you're not actually doing the action, you're never going to know if this life of entrepreneurship, starting businesses at the same time as being a parent is actually for you. Yeah. I think it's also like, for me, it was a sign of like immaturity and insecurity, right? Like I was like, oh, okay, yeah. somebody else, you know, I went like, I'm like ah, this therapist and that therapist. And I love therapy. I'm still in therapy now. It's like two different therapists, yeah. huge fan of therapy, but huge fan. it can be like a, it can be a crutch. Like somebody else tell me what to do with my life. Like somebody else figure this out for me. And you're going to mm. learn more by just diving in then. Yeah. Otherwise. What are your top three? You can do more if you want, less if you want, but let's say top three, like biggest ahas since like starting this huge company that you started. I would say one, like nobody has it figured out. Like I talk about this with my boss at craft too. Like we kind of like hold them up on this pedestal, like oh, this big company, like they must know something we don't know. And it's like, nobody has it figured out. Like we're all just faking it until we right. make it. And then even when right. we make it, we're still faking it. So I think that going in with that um, is a big thing. I would say for me, like if you're not having fun, it's probably not worth doing it anymore. Um, and mm. then I think just staying scrappy would be like a big aha for me. Like, I, th- I think I underestimated how valuable that was for us in our growth and just the success of the business. A lot of companies in the food space right now, a lot of companies ever right now, there's a lot of cap- private equity capital in the world. So you go raise a bunch of money, you, you lose money, you know, you're losing maybe 10, $20 million a year, you blew 30 million in marketing, but someone's just going to buy you on the growth. Well, I think that puts you in a situation where you're really dependent on other people to raise more money or to go sell your company. And you just, I just, we never wanted to be in that situation. So we actually never raised money before we sold the company. We never, we ran the business like within our means. Mm. And I think that I didn't value how important that was to just the business we built and the culture we had. And, you know, I think, I think that was a big thing for us. Those aren't really aha moments, but those would just be some of the big things I think that were really instrumental in like our success. Yeah. I love that. Are you, do you consider yourself like a a good leader? I have like major imposter syndrome. So that's like a, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I always talk about this, but, um, I think, 
Yeah, I think I would consider myself a good leader. Like it would be hard for me to sit here and say like, no. And I would judge that based off the fact that I've been able to hire and retain like seven of my best friends and mentors from past experiences and it, and it works, but it might work. I'm not a traditional leader. I am like the anti-micromanager. Like people will call me like yesterday, Anna called me and she's like, open this deck. And what do you think? And I was like, dude, like, I, I don't care. Like you got this. You, you do not need to be like calling me about this. So I think I've had good support to grow into my leadership, but I, I definitely have like areas I could work on. But, well, yeah. you know, I, I did this course. Well, I, I did this training. I had a girl come in and like train one of my teams about like different leadership styles. And it that is called a passive leader. It's actually like a very like prominent leadership style. And it's like this idea that like you're going to bring people to your table that are in their genius and that's why they're there. And you've kind of talked about it this whole interview. Like you have this way of, you know, you do whatever you need to do. And as long as you get your work done. And I think that that's a really beautiful form of leadership. I, I mean, there's times where I wish, I mean, I think I've, I've grown more into that. I I've always kind of been this person where like, I'm very, like, if I have, you kind of said this too, like, if I have an idea, I'm like, why are we still talking about this? Like, it's a good idea. Like, let's just go. Like, we got this. Like, let's just make this move. But then nobody can function on that same level. I find like, I find like so often I'm like, okay, who's ready? And everyone's like, okay, yeah, like I'm ready, but like, hold on a second. I'm like, no, 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 Like I'm already on step five. Like, why are you still on step one? And so then I got into this habit of being like, oh no, you know what? I'll just do it. And then it's like, okay, but now you're not giving your team the ability to actually do what they're best in the world at. I, I want to like talk a little bit more about leadership. Like, what do you think like the top, top things like make like good leadership in your company? Like what, like what makes your company ethos and culture function so well? Cause you said- you have so many people that are like your best friends and that is, and it's not even all, them. It, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible though, that you have that, like, that's, it's really impressive and inspiring. And like, I, I want you to know that I think that's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it is cool. And I'm proud of that. I think I really like want everyone to be happy. I've learned almost like it's to, almost to a fault where I need to like step back and be like, okay, if they don't love their job, that's okay. Like people can quit or, you know, whatever. And you don't need mm. to take personal responsibility for everybody's happiness who works for you. But I almost like just really value, like I really value people's happiness in the workplace so that I'm like personally stressed if there's like tension where I'm wanting to like solve that and make sure everyone's kind of like, you know, good. Like we're all good here. Let's keep moving in the same direction. Keep the ball moving. But to answer your previous question, I think authenticity is like just by far and away the number one thing. Like I'm very direct. I'm a total open book, like totally probably a walking HR nightmare, way not corporate, very much inappropriate, very much just like you know, here's where we're at. Um, and I don't have a fancy PowerPoint to present it. I just am going to tell you how it is. And Mark is very much the same way. Like we share information freely with everyone. There's no like secrets. Um, and I think, Mm-mm. and then I think also that this is a very like value and mission-based business and by Mark's doing, not by mine. So I was super fortunate to inherit like a bunch of employees who are working for Mark prior to my joining the company. And, you know, he had 300,000 newsletter subscribers at the point in which I came before we launched the food side of the business. And the people who were working for us were, you know, going to Paleo FX conference in our office in the Malibu Chamber of Commerce. We had like, everyone had walking desks. We had, everyone had these different, Mark bought all this for everyone, like all these different, like 
pogo stick things you could sit on for ergonomic desks and all that. It was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, a culture of everyone was really interested in like their own health and well being. And it was very supportive by the business. So I think, yeah, I think not micromanaging, like letting go and being authentic and just people sniff out like fakeness so fast. And also the more you open up yourself, like people are always opening up to me and it's because I'm just, I'm opening up to them. So they're like, well, surely it can't be as bad as what Morgan just said or whatever. And then you have just a more, I don't know, I guess just like out there leadership style that attracts just like a different level of rawness and authenticity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like you guys also just really encourage like independent thinkers, like free thinkers that can bring their ideas to the table without feeling like, oh, is this going to be like, a, like received well? Yeah. Like it seems sure. like you guys create a culture of like, I can come to this table. I can bring what I have. I can bring my zone of genius to this table and it'll be well received. Yeah. I would hope that would be my hope for the business. I think so, but You'd have to ask. <laughs> You're like, sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> I go with that. So. For sure. We're all ideas are, you know, and we move on them and take everyone's, you know, feedback into consideration. So I think, I think they would agree with that, but yeah. That's amazing. What is like the big, the big plan for Primal Kitchen in the next five years? We are trying to grow to 500 million in sales. We have this five year, 500 million in sales plan. Um, so it's cool. Since we were acquired, it's very rare that a business continues to grow at the rate in which we are. We were 50 million in sales when we were acquired and we'll have tripled that um, here. So that's exciting. That's so amazing. Yeah, that's our big thing. Just like get the products out there into more people's homes. We'd love to be able to find a way to, as we scale, be able to bring our price down, make the brand more accessible. Um, but yeah. Is that one of your guys' missions and like brand values about like making it more accessible to everybody? Because I know like health food is so like, it's such a controversial thing because obviously, and I, our family has just kind of gotten used to the fact that like the way that we eat, we pay way more for groceries. Well, it's definitely like a lever we can pull, right? To like mm -hmm. introduce more people to the brand. There are people who can't afford to buy the brand and that sucks. The problem yeah. is when you're buying ingredients like we are, they just cost more. Like there's only so much you totally. can do. And with scale in food comes savings on ingredient input. So that's definitely like a motivation of ours is you know, to be able to grow the business bigger means we're able to realize like better contracts with all of our ingredient suppliers and thus lower our price on shelf and be able to get the product into more households. So that's definitely one of our key priorities as we grow the business. Yeah. Do you have like non-negotiables in terms of like, I mean, I, I think I, I read, I forget where I read it, but I was reading an article about Primal Kitchen not that long ago. And it was like, there's non-negotiables in this company where like, we won't ever compromise our ingredients. We won't ever, ever compromise stuff like that. Yeah. Can you share some of those non-negotiables you have as a brand? Yeah, we have the, I remember someone emailed us and asked us like, where, how many hours a day do your chickens have access to like, you know, free range pasture, like hours. Like they wanted to know like, how many hours are these animals outside, right? Like these are the kind of consumers who are, you know, driving decisions we make as a brand. But the reality is like all of us who work at the company, have been gluten-free, AIP, paleo, vegan, you know, so we're all holding ourselves to the standard too, because it's what we want to eat. So you're never going to find gluten. You're never going to find soy. 
You're never going to find canola or soybean oil. You're never going to find high fructose corn syrup. Those are the big, like, you know, I could get, mm-hmm. get into the laundry list of items there. We don't, we do have a whey protein powder, which is dairy technically, but we don't have any dairy in our current products. But I don't think that, I think that's something we would be willing to introduce. Mark's like primal diet, that was the whole impetus behind this brand is, you know, no no gluten, no dairy, no grains at all. So we actually don't have any grains in any of our products. Um, yeah. No soy, no fillers, no carrageenan, no that kind of stuff. Have you found that that's hard to keep up with like the way that like supply chain stuff and like prices are rising? Like have you guys running into any challenges with that or? I want to say no, quite honestly. Like yeah. it's not, if you're that committed to it, you don't have another choice. So it's like, it's not even something it's, it's a non-negotiable. Right. So it's not even something we right. like, are like, oh, it'd be so much easier if we could just like put a little, you know, yeah, yeah. oil in here. Like, sure, we're having price challenges the same way everybody else is in the industry right now. Like mm-hmm. ingredients are skyrocketing. Um, but, you know, another thing with food, like you're very beholden to like how the crop turns out on avocados or what's happening with the tomato crop in California as a result of the drought. So there's mm-hmm. so many things at play for everyone in the food industry that I think it's like, it would be there regardless. Um, totally. It's just like gas. It's like, yeah, gas prices suck. Am I going to like, what, am I going to stop driving? Probably not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I know. You know, like I need yeah. my car. So like, it is what it is. So yeah, I paid six forty yeah. a gallon today in, in LA. Like, yep. What happened? Yeah. Well, I just really appreciate like how candid you are. And like, honestly, it's, it's really refreshing to get to chat with like a leader like yourself who just has this like it's a breath of fresh air on leadership. And it's just, it's such a, it, it clearly is such a testament to the brand that you have grown and the company that you have, because, you know, those of us who know your brand, we love your brand because of the brand value. And I think you can't have brand value unless you have personal, like personal value. And you are just such an incredible soul. And it's just been really, really amazing to chat with you. You have a podcast, right? Your company has a podcast. We do. Yeah. The, the, I'm the host of the Primal Kitchen podcast and we have a big Instagram page, Primal Kitchen Foods. It's a great email list. And you can find us at pretty much any grocery store, any grocery store. And you're not personally on social media, right? I am. I'm just Morgan Zanotti, but I'm not, I haven't posted okay. since Halloween. I'm terrible, but I am well, on there. But I deleted it because now I just read, I just read trashy romance novels. I mean, you can find me there at Morgan's Naughty. Maybe I'll get, I always say I'm going to like get active. I'm going to do it. Like <laughs> I just don't do it. So it's like, it just doesn't yeah, happen. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't. But I guess that goes back to that, like mom balance thing. You can only tackle yeah. someone someday. Yeah. My maternity leave. I was really active my last maternity leave. Maybe I'll get into it again. This one. We'll see. She's going to become an Instagram star on maternity leave. Y'all yeah. just wait. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, um, I really appreciate you giving me your time today. This has been so fun and I'm just, like, congratulations on all the success you guys have had. And I just know that, that I can feel that this is only like the beginning. So you're so sweet. Thanks for having me. I loved our chat. Best of luck. Yeah. With the move. Thanks. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed that. I think she's just amazing. The fact that she has this way where she, what, what did she say in that episode where she was just like, you if you need to go to yoga, I hope that you go to yoga. I think that's so amazing. And I, I really love the way that businesses are, are changing. And I really love that this, this new breed of leadership is kind of on the rise. And she is just kind of 
the perfect example that you can be a transformational leader. You can be a leader who lets your people self-manage and still be super successful. So if you loved it, Make sure you share it with somebody. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Go back and listen to some episodes. Uh, We have episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And you can always come slide into my DMs. Let me know what you love. Uh, I'm at Danielle underscore on the daily. And we will see you back here on Friday with another unplugged episode. Love ya. Love ya.